Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. On two occasions in his life, the Apostle Paul was sovereignly set aside for a lengthy period of time. The Bible reveals precious little about the details of the three-year period in Arabia and his two-year imprisonment in Caesarea. Yet after each of these periods, great epistles later to be included in Scripture issued forth from God's servant. What went on during these hidden years, and how did God use them to further both his move on the earth and the unveiling of his eternal purpose? Please stay with us as we look at these meaningful questions on our life study of the Bible today with Witness Lee. We have Witness Lee's recorded messages from 1984 on the program. And once again, Dennis Agashi is with us as we look at one of the many interesting side notes that Witness Lee gave us in this remarkable life study. Dennis, this is a book that I think a lot of people read and come away feeling pretty good about their understanding. It appears to be fairly straightforward. It's not mysterious like the books of Hebrews and Revelation. And there are a lot of interesting stories that are easy to follow. And altogether, I would say that people are not as intimidated by this book as they are by some of the others. But I would have to say that now, as we near the conclusion of this life study of Acts, it's not at all what it first appears. The depth and riches that have unfolded day by day have been astounding. Give us your impressions, Dennis. Well, I think I can summarize it by Paul's word in Romans 11.33, where Paul declares, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgment and how untraceable his ways! It seems like the more we get into Acts, we really see the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God fully revealed. I'm happy that in the Life Study of Acts, I believe, Chris, if I'm correct, at least 72 messages in the Life Study of Acts. I would encourage every one of the listeners to get their copy of Acts. What we can do on the air does not do justice uh, by reading it by yourself. This is truly a treasure from Witness Lee on this Life Study of Acts. That is often what goes on uh, behind the scenes, of course, in, in, in our talk and fellowship before and during the production of these. We, you come away, how can we possibly convey this in 28 minutes? It's just not possible. That's right. Let's go ahead and join Witness Lee Dennis with the first portion today. I just couldn't understand why Luke wouldn't tell us anything about these two years. It's very strange. And Luke neither told us anything about Paul's three years in Arabia. But I do believe in Arabia, that was in the time in Acts 9, it should have been a time Paul received some 
divine revelation directly from the Lord. No doubt, he got much revelation through his knowledge of the Old Testament. Paul was a good student of the Old Testament. By the way, he expounded the Old Testament, especially in a few books, in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians and in the book of Hebrews. You could see Paul knew the Old Testament books thoroughly. And he didn't have the insight. For instance, in Galatians 4, he allegorized the two women, Sarah and Hagar. He understood so many times in the Old Testament concerning Christ's person and Christ's work. Yet, we all have to admit, some aspects were altogether not based upon the Old Testament. For instance, in Romans 8, he talked about the law of the spirit of life. And he talks about the law of sin and death, another law. And also he talked about uh, the law of doing good in Romans 7. From what source the Apostle Paul saw this revelation concerning these three laws, I couldn't find anything. I believe he received the revelation probably directly from the Lord and based upon his own experiences. In those three years, when he was there with the Lord, he received a lot of revelations. So, when he came out to preach, to minister, he came out with the riches of so many revelations. You read his writings to the Thessalonians, to Galatians, to Romans, and to all the Corinthians. In every letter, it is full of divine revelation. Now, here, the Lord set aside two years for him. We could see something there of Paul in facing that can mixture in Jerusalem. It seemed only Paul, this one person, he was burdened for that situation. You could see such a picture and the Lord was all together in that picture. The Lord was there sovereignly over everything. Eventually, the Lord brought and put Saul into this custody. For what purpose? Apparently, for the purpose that fixed me get more money from him. That was the only purpose, humanly speaking. But the Lord did something with his purpose. The Lord kept Paul there without anything to do without any bothering, without any trouble. You think about what Paul did there. Dennis, any serious reader of the New Testament realizes that the highest revelations contained in the Bible flowed from the hand of the Apostle Paul. His letters to the churches and the saints were full of the rich unveiling of God's eternal plan. 
comment for us for a few moments on how the Lord used these two lengthy periods of seclusion and reflection in Paul's lifetime to bring forth the great epistles. Of course, we saw in Acts chapter 9, shortly after Paul's salvation, dynamic salvation, that he went away into Arabia. And in that period of time, which was at least three years, he had a lot of time to consider the Old Testament especially, and the significances of his recent experience of salvation. Through that time, Chris, we see out of his consideration the books of Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and First and Second Thessalonians came out. He was very familiar with the Old Testament. He was a good student of the Old Testament, but he also had the insight. Who else could allegorize the book of Genesis with the story of Sarah and Hagar and bring it to the matter of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in Galatians 4. We can see that not all his revelations were based upon the Old Testament. We also see in Romans 8 he mentioned this phenomenal statement, the law of the spirit of life, and he contrasted this with the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life is the spontaneous power of the spirit of life working automatically to free us from the law of sin and death when we walk according to the Spirit. And we believe that Paul received this revelation directly from the Lord and also based upon his own experiences. This is why he was so rich in his ministry. He didn't just merely teach us, but he ministered the riches of these revelations. Dennis, we're going to go back and uh, join Witness Lee and look a little more carefully at what was happening likely during one of these periods of his being set aside, particularly the time in Caesarea. Here's Witness Lee. Suppose you were Paul, after all these turmoils, now you are kept in custody. What would you do? Surely you would recall all the experiences, at least from chapter 15, to recall all the things that happened that you have passed through. When you recall, you could see a picture. And this picture, you could compare it with the revelation you have received in those three years at Arabia. In that kind of review, the light came to him, clearer and clearer. This is all kind of a guessing, no doubt. He felt unhappy about Peter, John, and James. He would surely consider that he had to write some epistle. I believe the writing of those few books, Hebrews, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, was in his inner motive already in these two years. He had a burden to put out something. And I do believe he anticipated that he could not get out of prison in Rome in a fast way. A book like Hebrew could not be written overnight. A short book like Ephesians, I don't believe he wrote that book just within one or two days. Before writing, there should have been a lot of consideration a lot of entering in. He got himself entered into the depths of God's revelation. He had two years' time 
for preparation. Then he was transferred from Caesarea to Rome. And he got the time there. Then he put out these few books. Hallelujah. This is why in Colossians 1.25, he tells us that his writing was to complete the New Testament ministry. Without Colossians, without Ephesians, without Philippians, and plus without Hebrews, who could see God's New Testament economy? Or economia, economy, was the particular word picked up by Paul, especially in Ephesians, to say that Ephesians is on the church. That's right. That's too superficial. You better say Ephesians is a book on God's economy. Dennis, following this two-year period when the apostle was seemingly set aside, four tremendous epistles come forth, Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, and Hebrews. Dennis, given the hours and hours of reflection over all that God had revealed to him and had brought him through, what would you say are the key elements, or some of the key elements at least, in these great books that issued directly from the apostles' own experience? I believe it was in Witness Lee's ministry, Chris, where he stated that the four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, formed the heart of the divine revelation. So these three books, especially the books that you would mention, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, are part of the center or kernel of the divine revelation that Paul saw. And all this came out of his time of seclusion where he was there two years in prison in Caesarea. Apparently, Felix was just trying to bribe Paul with money for his release. Actually, God was sovereignly keeping Paul there without any kind of trouble, without any kind of bothering, to bring in a clear sky that Paul could really see what had transpired, especially in his recent experience in Acts 15 with the problem of circumcision and the extreme mixture he found in Acts 21. Consequently, when he had considered everything, these marvelous books came out, as we had mentioned. Chris, I would like to bring out one point that Witness Lee mentioned in the broadcast in Colossians 1.25. In this verse, Paul says that he completed the Word of God. He completed the Word of God in regard to the mystery of God, which is Christ, and the mystery of Christ, which is just the church. This gives us, Chris, a full revelation of God's economy. In Colossians 2.2, we see that the mystery of God is Christ. And when we look at Ephesians 3, verses 4 and 10, we see that the mystery of Christ is just the church. When you put these two mysteries together, the mystery of God, and the mystery of Christ, we have the great mystery that Paul mentions in Ephesians 5. This, Chris, was Paul's unique commission. In Ephesians 3, he says that he announced the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel, and then he enlightened all to see the economy of the mystery. Dennis, it's, uh, you, you mentioned this phrase from Colossians 1.25. When you do think about it, it's an astounding phrase for a man to utter or write, attributing to himself that he completed the Word of God. And I appreciate that chronologically, we know the last book of the Bible written was the book of Revelation. Right. So Paul was implying not that he was writing the last ink on the page. That's right. But this was the capstone of the whole revelation of Scripture. 
Right. Is that the sense that Paul is conveying in this incredible verse? I believe it is, Chris, that in his feeling to complete the Word of God was really to complete God's New Testament revelation, which he mentions in this unique word, economy, or the Greek word, oikonomia. And I believe Witness Lee brings this out in the broadcast. Yes, that's exactly where we're going, Dennis. In this final section, Witness Lee is going to come back to this familiar theme for any of our listeners that have been following along, a book by book, The Economy of God. Let's join him now for that. By this, you all could see the Lord's sovereignty. Who could defeat him? Judaism? A Jew. Roman politics? A joke. Who could defeat him? Nothing could defeat him. Everything serves his purpose. Now, I'm bold to say, even Peter being a chicken, he served the purpose. Even the Jewish plot, they all served the purpose. Apparently, they frustrated the Lord's move. Actually, they all served the Lord's purpose to uh, display Firstly, his New Testament economy. Then to carry out his New Testament economy. Here is our burden by his mercy and grace. We are here to carry out his New Testament economy. We have studied the Bible for years and years. We were quite, quite familiar with all the books in the Bible, but I have to confess we didn't see these 40 years ago. From 1939, around that year, we began to see this overall revelation. That is God's New Testament economy. His New Testament economy began with his incarnation. Then he surely has accomplished everything that is required for his New Testament economy up to the time when he poured out the economic spirit upon his body. That was the completion of his accomplishment of his New Testament economy. Accomplished. Now, he, the triune God, processed as the all-inclusive spirit within his chosen people and upon them, this one is now carrying out his New Testament economy to propagate himself into his believers, to make all his believers the new creation, the living members of this universal body, to be his corporate vessel. And today, this vessel is to be expressed here and there in every locality. And these expressions are just the present local churches. And all these are the lampstands here and there shining in this dark age. And all these shining local churches will consummate in the New Jerusalem. And the New Jerusalem will be just the ultimate consummation of God's move in his New Testament economy. 
the crucial focus is the all-inclusive Christ. And he has to be our life, and he has to be our person, and he has to be our everything. Not religion, not any law, any regulation, any philosophy, any teaching, any practice. No, but all together, just this one all-inclusive, wonderful, excellent person. And he is the embodiment of the process triumph God, and he's also realized in the all-inclusive life-giving spirit, which is within us and upon us. And this all-inclusive life-giving spirit is working today in all the people who are brought back to Christ directly to enjoy him as everything. They're saying, here are we. I hope that you all could see this. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah for the two years. Amen. These two years were a preparing time for these chosen vessels to put out the completing revelation which he has received of the Lord. These two years are a preparation, but from Caesarea, transferred to Rome. And there, it was the time that he wrote all these excellent, completing epistles. Hebrews, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then when he got out of that imprisonment in Rome, he continued to write the last four epistles, two Timothys, one Titus, and one Philemon. In these last four epistles, you could see he charged us not to teach differently, just to teach what? God's economy. Dennis, the single and central focus of the Holy Scripture from the ministry of the apostles throughout the ages is this frequent topic that we have mentioned before. From Paul's own use of the term in various places, Witnessly appropriately refers to it as God's economy or God's New Testament economy. This economy or plan is most frequently missed by readers of the Bible. But we realize now that the key to seeing and appreciating God's economy is to focus all of our Bible reading and our understanding on one thing, the all-inclusive Christ. Dennis, what is the all-inclusive Christ, and how is this central to realizing God's economy? I think to answer your first question, Chris, what is the all-inclusive Christ, I would refer you to the book written by Witness Lee with this title, The All-Inclusive Christ. I would highly recommend uh, this book. It goes through the entire Bible, showing how Christ is the center and focus of the Bible. The All-Inclusive Christ is simply God in Christ, going through the steps of incarnation, human living, crucifixion, and resurrection, that he could dispense himself into us to have a body to express himself. This is the All-Inclusive Christ. And how is this revelation of the all-inclusive Christ realizing God's economy? I would like to pick up one statement here 
written by Witness Lee in this book called The Governing and Controlling Vision in the Bible. And I will just read the paragraph here. This is the economy of God, the New Testament revelation, the teaching of the apostles. This is the result of our study of the Word for over 70 years. This is the extract, the crystallization. The 27 books of the New Testament mention many matters, but in summary, they concern the economy of God. God's economy is that God became flesh, passed through human living, died and resurrected. Then he became the Spirit and entered into man to dispense God into them for their regeneration, issuing in the church. The church is the body of Christ, is his continuation, enlargement, and multiplication. It is also the kingdom of God, the house of God, and at the same time the counterpart of Christ as his bride. The ultimate consummation of the totality of all these items is the New Jerusalem. Chris, this is a crystallization definition of the economy of God. As Witness Lee said in the broadcast, Chris, this very Christ who is the focus of God's economy should be our life, our person, and our everything. Not religion, not the law, not regulation, philosophy, psychology, or teaching or practice. Our focus is Christ himself. Our responsibility is just to enjoy and appropriate this very rich Christ. Dennis, it seems like the real essence of the apostles' ministry in all of these books was to fight any attempt to replace Christ with any of these things you just mentioned, be they cultural, religious, Old Testament things, or past experiences. The Apostle Paul had one thing in view, this marvelous, all-inclusive Christ, and he continually swept away any other view, any other scenery. This was really the focus of his ministry, isn't it? I think you summarized it well, Chris. Well, once again, we would like to mention to our listeners that the Life Study messages that we take these broadcasts from are an invaluable resource, along with the recovery version of the New Testament and its footnotes. The recovery version we've talked about before, I will just mention it's available in several formats and price ranges. And these Life Study messages we have packaged very specially for our radio listeners in a four-volume set of the Life Study of Acts. And if you will contact us toll-free, we'll get these to you so you can begin to enjoy and spend the time to research and dig into these matters for yourself. And that toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can correspond with us by email and just send your email to radio at lsm.org. For Dennis Agashi today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his life study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witness Lee's speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety, 
or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.